T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Everybody, Sports Daily on a Friday. Jacob Albrock here alongside Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing for us. We are getting you ready now for the weekend and in some cases for next week. We've got a Super Bowl coming up. We've got college basketball this weekend. Just massive matchups for both KU and K-State yet again. Uh, the good news is they play at different times, so we'll be able to take them both in. You'll hear the KU game right here on KFH early time for the Jayhawks in Ames uh, tomorrow morning. So we'll get into those in just a little bit, Tommy. Let's let's start with the Super Bowl, though. We're starting to get, you know, some football-type news out of this, and next week is all the festivities and all of that. But we know that, you know, of all those uh, injured players, um, that they're not practicing. So that's not to be... You know, that, that's not surprising news, I think. And the question will become into next week, like which of those guys, if not all of them, are able to play. And, you know, we talked to Dan Israel earlier this week, and he pointed to the two, two defensive players, right, Sneed and Gay, as the most critical. I, I really think Kadarius Tony's pretty critical there. Um, it would be nice to get Juju Smith-Schuster back in there that, you know, obviously has been disappointing as a whole this year, but... Just another weapon. It feels like they're going to need weapons against Philadelphia. I think Tony to the game plan might be a little bit more important. The two defensive players, if I had to guess, Tommy, I guess will play. Um, Sneed's in the concussion protocol, so it is a little bit of a question, right? Like, we'll just have to see on that. But these injuries loom now, and now it becomes the game of checking the injury reports every day. Yeah, you know, and uh, Andy Reid spoke to the media yesterday said that uh, it was unlikely that McCole Hardman will play in the Super Bowl, that he did everything he could to try to get back for the AFC Championship game, uh, played some of the game, re-aggravated the, the injury, and um, you know looks like that barring some kind of unlikely development, he's probably out for the Super Bowl. So that's one wide receiver that uh, you can probably cross off the list that won't play. Uh, and then I, I'm with you. I mean, I think that you need to have 
at least one, and I think you would prefer Kadarius Tony with this skill set, but you need to have either Kadarius Tony or Juju Smith-Schuster be able to uh, be healthy enough to go next weekend. Of course, having both of them uh, would be an added bonus, but I think you absolutely have to have at least one of them ready to go. And then I'm with you on the defensive side of the ball. I think we're going to see both of them. I, I, I don't have a ton of doubt that we're um, that we're not going to have Willie Gay. I think we will have Willie Gay in the game. Uh, but to your point, with the concussion protocol, with Legereus Sneed, you never really know uh, how long that's going to take. Uh, of course, I don't think you can really draw a ton of comparisons to this, but I did read that Tua Tagovailoa, who of course had all of his concussions this season, finally cleared the protocol. It took like over a month for him to get out of the concussion protocol. So you never really know how these things are going to go. Um, but because I don't think Legereus Sneed has a long time history of concussions, you would think that he'll probably be back in time for the game. Yeah, I don't want to guess on concussions because I, I think it's pretty unpredictable. You asked one or one or the other, Juju or Tony, and which I, I think, honestly, at this point, I kind of think Tony is more critical. Now, I think that they're both going to play. But I think we're starting to see the Chiefs utilize Tony in the ways we thought that they might. And those types of gadget plays in a game like this become important. He almost made an incredible catch. I mean, you can see the flashes of why they went and traded for him, but you can also see why the Giants were able to give him up because he's got a, a rich injury history that is continuing now in his short time as a Chief. But I do think he allows Andy Reid to do more and and try to catch them off guard a little bit. I, I'm curious, and as we begin to look at this game, you know that the Chiefs are going to bring the kitchen sink here as far as everything they've been setting up all season long with formations and everything. Basically, they did that defensively, it sounds like, from smart people that watch football to Cincinnati. I think we're going to see them do it offensively in this game. And I think we're going to see all kinds of gadget plays. You know, they're never afraid of them, right? We saw the hook and ladder play with Kelsey and all that stuff. And, you know, I have no doubt that that's going to be used to set something up in the Eagles game. Like, just little nuances like that. But I do think that Tony allows them to do more things in that world. And and quite honestly, with as lackluster as the wide receiver room has been this year, I think the gadgety stuff is pretty important in a game like this. We know who the go-to guy is going to be is Kelsey. And we've talked about the X factor or one of them will be the fact that Philadelphia has defended tight ends really well this year. One of the best teams in the league. The Chiefs haven't faced that recently. But the other side to that is, Tommy, the Chiefs also don't exclusively line Travis Kelsey up as a tight end, right? Like they they line him out wide and, and at times he just becomes a receiver anyway. So... I think it's Tony. I think I think Tony will be more important to them. Again, I think they'll both be back, but I think Tony, if you had to pick one, would be the one I'd pick. Well, I also think that you have to game plan a little bit because it's still uncertain what is going to happen uh, injury-wise with all three of these receivers. I think it's important to have a scenario in your mind on what happens if none of them can go in the Super Bowl. Wow. Um, now, I don't think that's I don't think that's likely, but you, I think you have to game plan for that a little bit, and so then. You have a wide receiver room, and I'm excluding Travis Kelsey from this, but you have a wide receiver room of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had a great AFC title game. You've got him as your number one guy. Sky Moore, 
Justin Watson, Marcus Kemp. Like those are your wide receivers going into the Super Bowl if Tony, Juju, and McColl are unable to go. Uh, and so I think that it's important to have an idea on, all right, you might have some of these gadget plays. You might have some of these creative, unique ways to to get the offense going. But from a wide receiver perspective, if Tony and Juju and McColl are injured and can't play, do you feel confident in the wide receivers to be able to complete those plays on the back end of the play when those are the, your guys in the wide receiver room? Yeah, it, it – Look, if they don't have either one of them, I think the Chiefs are in big trouble, right? Like, the, let's not let's not pretend like the Chiefs that finished the game against the Bengals offensively gives you any sort of confidence, right? In a game like this against the Eagles, that you got to go the full slate. Now they'd have more time. To but that's prepare, all we know. That's all we know right now. I mean, it is know, until, all we know. But I think until but there's I think a designation it, that one of these guys is going to play for sure, we're going off of. The indication, I mean, just basically based on the players that ended the game uh, against Cincinnati, who the personnel is that's ready to go right now as it stands to play in the Super Bowl. And so I think that, you know, when you're 10 days away or nine days away from the Super Bowl, um, until you've got a more concrete idea, you almost have to game plan like they're not going to play. Totally, totally. But we can also reason based on what we saw that they'll get some of them back. It's it's sort of similar to what we did with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, right? Like, you're like, okay, like, uh, you know, you're yes, they're injured, but we really think they're going to play. I really think at least one of those guys is going to play. I think they're both going to play. Now, Sneed's the one with a concussion that I think is a total throw your hands up in the air because that's not, like, you can't tough out, right, a concussion. Like, there's protocols for good reason, and you have to get through those, and that's a process that we do just have to see. But I think... You know, who's going to, and you got to give some credit to these guys too. Like, if there's any chance that they're going to be able to go, even if it's not at full strength, this is the Super Bowl, right? Like, you have more time. Maybe you're just a little bit hobbled. But even having them just a little bit hobbled is still important to the Chiefs in this game. Vegas thinks high scoring game. Uh, you know, at, at this moment, Sharp Money moved the line to the Eagles. I, I still, every day that goes by, Tommy, people ask, me, I'm sure they ask you the same thing. What do we think about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? And my answer right now is, guys, I just don't know. Like, I, I really don't. I'm having a hard time getting a grasp of what I think will happen in this game because I think there are so many unknowns. The, yes, these have been the two best teams in football all year, right? They're the two one seats. All of these things are there. But they haven't played a lot of the same people. The Eagles have not played a daunting schedule. The Chiefs haven't really played a daunting schedule either. Now, they played a great postseason schedule, right? Well, a better one, I should say. But through the regular season, remember, the AFC West wasn't as good as we thought it would be, right? So, you know, you and the Eagles won a division that might have been the best in football. So I don't think that's fair to say either, right, that, oh, the Eagles haven't played anybody. Well, they won a much better division. Um, and, and they were the one seed coming out of a much better division too. So... I don't know. I don't know how to predict this game. You got a very unpredictable quarterback in Jalen Hurts right now for the Eagles. How healthy is he? You've got the best player in football. Well, Travis Kelsey might be the best player in football. So you've got three of the best players in football, let's say, on the Chiefs side, right? In Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. It's just a really hard game for me to get a grasp of at this point 
When we get some injury news, maybe that will get a little easier. I just need time to think about it. I think the most important player that is on the injury report right now for Kansas City that they absolutely have to have in the Super Bowl to win the game, it's not Kadarius Toney, it's not Juju, it's Willie Gay. Because the way that the Eagles run the football and the way that they've got Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts can take off too at any time. Willie Gay is known for his run-stopping ability. Nick Bolton has played at an all-pro level this season and stopping the run also. But you've got to have both of them, and you've got to have them be effective in limiting the run game from the Eagles. Um, So when I heard initially that Willie Gay was on the injury report, um, that my first thought was they have to have him. They've got to have him defensively if they want to have a chance to stop the Eagles in their run attack. Uh, And and so that's the one that I'm paying closest attention to. Uh, We've seen Patrick Mahomes on the offensive side of the ball spread it around to so many different people. And, yeah, you want to have Kadarius Toney. You want to have Juju. Like, you want to have those guys. But, you know, don't forget that he can easily – throw it to Jarek McKinnon we know that Isaiah Pacheco can catch it out of the backfield like he's he's got uh, a a big quantity of weapons and pass catchers and that sort of thing I'm not as concerned about that I am concerned on the defensive side of the ball if they don't have Willie Gay they're going to have a really difficult time shutting down what Philadelphia wants to do on the ground yeah it's um it it, I I agree with that to some degree um you got to spy Hurts, but I also don't know, and this is the other thing, too, that I, that I think makes it unpredictable, is how healthy is Jalen Hurts, right? Like, we know he doesn't appear to be what he was at least at the beginning of the season. Now, he ran it 20 times in the game, you know, in in uh, in the most recent game, I think it was right. He, he had twenty. Let me. I'm going to pull that up and just just make sure I'm right on that. His rushing totals uh, in the Sanford. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's in the postseason. So he ran it nine times against the Giants, eleven times against the Niners. Eleven rushing attempts from Hertz. That's a healthy number. Is it you know some of the highest we've seen this year? No, but it's along his average of when he was healthy. So that would tell me that he is probably at least relatively healthy. And yeah, Willie Gay at that point becomes really critical. And I don't know if you spy him. Like, do you just spy Jalen Hurts? Do you, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but the Chiefs have done a pretty good job against the run in in recent memory. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, and Willie Gay is a big part of that. But I, mean, I think they did you got to really stop A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown concerns yeah. me more than that running game because I'm not just totally confident in the Chiefs secondary. I mean, they did a really good job in the AFC title game on stopping Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, that neither one of those guys really got going for the Bengals. So that was solid. That was good. But this is a different kind of, of rushing attack. And, and Jalen Hurts is different than Joe Burrow. And so I think that one of the big questions is how effective can the front four be when you're playing an offense like Philly? Um, you know, Joe Burrow is, you know, he can scramble, but he's a, a drop back in the pocket and, um, you know, and, and get out, you know, get out of danger and that sort of thing and still find the open receiver. But he also gets the ball out of his hand so quickly. Uh, but but the front four, they were able to get a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow in the AFC title game. And that was great. But you're facing off a different uh, against a different kind of quarterback in the Super Bowl. And so does it end up be like, are you able to have it be a Chris Jones game? Can it be a Frank Clark game? I don't really know. I don't really know exactly how that's going to pan out when you're taking on a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I, 
I don't either. It, and again, we're going to have a ton of time to to dig into this, but my goodness, it's uh it is a fascinating game because we just don't know how they'll match up, right? We had some we, we kind of know what's going to happen in a Cincinnati game. We've seen it before. We saw the yeah. Jags play the Chiefs earlier this year. Had a pretty good feel for that. A.J. Brown terrifies me for the Chiefs. Did you see what T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are capable of doing You know, on a singular play? A.J. Brown can do that too. And the Chiefs secondary is going to have to step up. And much like the Bengals game, the Chiefs play off Frank Clark. Chris Jones, like those guys are going to have to step up and make plays too. George Karloftis, as you know, he's been as effective as any rookie pass rusher in the league this year. It's going to be a big game for those guys too. And I don't know how much they can, you know, wreak havoc on a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts, but the pressure will be important. You got to get that pressure. And at least early in a snap, the secondary is going to have to do what they can to slow it down. And and the other but, thing is, I think Nick Sirianni is a crazy good coach too like that's that's what's i think been lost some with the eagles i it's like it's criminal that he wasn't the coach of the year to me like in all these things like he's not getting the love he deserves and and he probably will now that he's in the super bowl but he's done an unbelievable job jalen hurts is the quarterback of that team jalen hurts who everybody sort of laughed at when the eagles took him as high as they did has become an mvp candidate right and if he didn't get hurt might be the mvp Nick Sirianni is an X-factor in this, just like Andy Reid is. There's no telling what the Eagles will pull out of their hat of tricks in this game. Yeah, I just wonder, uh, going back to your point about the the pressure on Jalen Hurts, I just wonder if that's really the best strategy. And I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a I, defensive coach. I mean, th- there's part of me that, you know, I, I kind of think, hey, you try to contain him in the pocket. You try to keep him in the pocket um, and, and keep him from running. Uh, and you throw... You throw all the coverage downfield that you can. The, the only issue with that, that's not Steve Spagnolo. That's not what he does. I mean, he's going to throw blitzes. That's just that's the way that he is as a defensive coordinator. And so um, that's really, I think, going to be one of the more interesting matchups is how, how do you combat a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts? And it, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that it's throwing a bunch of blitzes at him. Um, but that's the way that Kansas City likes to run their defense. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it master, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll talk to Dan Israel next week. You know, we'll, we'll see what smart football people are saying and sort of take that in and try and get a grasp of it. But just, you know, it does remind me to some degree, Tommy, of the, of the San Francisco Super Bowl win in that you just had such a clash of styles right going up against one another and the chiefs were able to come out on top of that despite the fact that san francisco looked like they were going to win it for most of the game the buccaneers super bowl i think that was just a great game plan on the buccaneers part defensively which really sort of remember opened the door to the style of defense we're seeing now across the league that the chiefs had to deal with last year and all of those things that are happening that was sort of the first time we'd seen that right and then Spags this year pulls kind of against the Bengals what the Bucks did that year, which was totally changed things up. And is he going to do that again against Philadelphia, or does he go with more of what we saw against Cincinnati? I don't know. Two weeks to prepare. I think he's going to also change things up a little bit too. So it, I, I love this matchup in the Super Bowl for the sole reason that I have no idea what's going to happen. I do not have a good feel for this game at all. I don't know if that'll change between now and game day. Probably not. 
Uh, we'll take our stabs at it, of course. We're going to get some some betting action on it, but it'll be fun. 869-1240 is the number to call. Shocker fans, we can revisit that game last night if you're just joining us. Talked about it in the first hour, but happy to hit that again as well. Uh, probably do that a little later when we come back, though. KUK State, big, 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 big 12 games coming for them tomorrow. We'll look ahead to those as we continue on Sports Daily. It's time to get back to the sports talk. All right, let's do this thing. Go! Sports Daily is on KFH. Billy Eilish fan, Tommy? Um, I only know a couple of songs, but um, sure. Are you? I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, it's like an undecided, like I hear some like this, and I'm like, yeah, this has a really cool vibe to it, right? But I don't know yeah. enough of it to really get a good take on it. But I definitely get it. Like, I get why people think she's so cool as a musician. Yeah. In my in my former life, um, I was in music radio, top forty right. radio. I did that for a long time, and so I was way up in everything that was going on in pop music and all of that. Um, and I'm not anymore, and it's it's kind of refreshing. Like I don't even I don't really know. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I know this song, but I, I don't pay attention to it like I used to. I, I'm the same way. Uh, I still can't believe you don't think Miley Cyrus is cool uh, in this stage of her life. I never said she okay. wasn't cool. I just said she's not a rock star. I. Th- I think by today's terms, she is, because I don't know that we still have. Like, we used the band Jet, right, to intro this show. Um, and that, at the time, was a, like, rock and roll. We don't really have new rock and roll bands, at least that are in the mainstream anymore, right? You have alternative, and you sort of have the the pop a little bit. I mean, Dolly Parton's about to put out a rock and roll album. And I love Dolly Parton, but, like... Who, who are the great new up-and-coming true rock and roll bands? I'm just not sure that that genre is is in a state right now of having those. I'm just not sure that you can use that as a justification to say that Miley Cyrus is a rock star. That's my that's my only point. Well, I rock mean, stars the, are more— the, abs- the absence of having rock stars does not mean that you just, like, start letting anybody be a rock no, star. No, I, I think—so let me, let, me, let me clarify this. Rock star is a more general term. When I say rock star, I don't mean somebody is a rock and roll star. Rock star is a more general term used for people that are cool or good at what they do. Like you're a rock star, right? Like we say that to people at work all the time. I think in the music industry right now in general, I think of her not as a rock and roll star, but as a rock star in the sense that she's really cool and good at what she does. And what she does whether it's rock and roll or not, it's not. I mean, it is sometimes, but not that often. It's definitely more pop. But she's really good at it and cool. She's a rock star at pop music, I guess. It's a better way to specifically explain it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank sort you for of the like, clarification on that. Sort of like Billie Eilish is. I don't think Billie sure. Eilish is as good as Miley Cyrus, but, you know, she's she's fine. I appreciate the, the sidetrack there. Uh, Tommy, do you know how pigs keep their hands clean? Oh, Lord. Um, no, I, I, I don't. Ham sanitizer. Um, Somebody stop me. 
I didn't have a good setup for that one, so I just yeah, was that, gonna just <laughs> cram that one in as I don't even know how you set that up. Yeah, it, you can't really set that one up. Uh, okay, the Royals make a big announcement. And Thank God we're they, moving away from that. They are are coming, and apparently they're bringing back all powder blues. The the team just tweeted at the top of the hour here. We heard you, and it's a clip of all powder blues and. You know, everything is all the graphics are in powder blue and they don't give many more details. So we're going to need details on this. So, Tommy, first of all, powder blues for the Royals is a good decision in general terms. Yes, 100 percent. I love the powder blues uh, for the Royals. I, I, you know, it takes me back to my childhood. It takes me back to George Brett and Frank White and. Uh, you know, Bo Jackson and, you know, some of these other guys from the 70s and 80s. And, you know, they did that in the early 90s, I think, up to a certain point. It takes me back to those days. Uh, and so, yeah, nostalgia is big. Uh, I'm 100% on board with it. Um, I wonder if we're talking like, because I think there's a distinction. Like, are we talking full powder blues or are we talking the baby blues that they did, that they've done for a while on top in the white pants on the bottom? Is no, it I be think the baby blues or is it, are we going powder, powder blue? I think they're going powder and I think it'll probably be what, you know, the exact color may match that. But I think what the, the point is, they're going to go jerseys and pants that color instead right. of just jersey. I would love it even more if there weren't already a few teams doing this, like the Rangers do this on Sundays. I think they brought back some powder blues as a full uniform and they, they may do it more often than that. I shouldn't say just on Sundays. I don't think that I want the Royals to do this every game they're at home. I don't think. I I think I would rather see it as a mixed-in alternate. I do really like the Royals' white uniforms. I think they're clean. They're sharp. They're to the point. uh, they, They are consistent after a few years where they weren't very consistent, right, and they mixed it up. So I do like their regular white home uniform, so I'm not sure I want to totally abandon those. And and I think that their road with the with the Kansas City block letter thing is is actually a really cool uniform too. But home See, I don't I don't like that one as much. I, I miss the script Kansas City across the front. I on like the, the script better than the blocks on the road. Um that's just my personal preference on it. Um the, the whites are, are fine. Like I'm 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 good with it. My biggest thing is that uh, there was a period of time when they moved away from the powder blues, uh, in the early nineties where, and in the Royal, the teams were really, really bad. Like, don't forget that. Like they were really bad mid nineties, late nineties, early to mid two thousands. Like they were, they were bad for a long time. The uniforms were really bad too, during those times. Um, like I yeah. remember the years where they went, they went black for a while. Like <laughs> their tops were black. Yeah. They had the vests for a while and yeah. the, the no sleeves and right, like right. it was, it was not good for quite a while. So in my mind, this takes me back to a time when things were a lot better. Uh, and so I'm totally on board with the powder blues. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's fine. I, I'm fine with them. I just don't want them to be all the time though. I mean, look, the most iconic, perhaps Royals videos, you know, Bo Jackson climbing the wall, George Brett yeah. coming out, for the pine tar game. Those are all in those uniforms. So I, I I think that you're doing yourself a disservice right now in the current state of sports uniforms. If you're not paying tribute to those to some degree, I, again, 
I'm in. I'm in. I I, I think it's a good idea. I well, just it, don't yeah. want it to be the only thing they do at home. The reason why I'm so okay with it, and I think it's the right thing to do, you mentioned the other teams that you know will rock the Powder Blues occasionally. The Rangers do it. I know the Phillies do it as well. Yep. But going all the way back to when these were originally right. worn back in the 80s, the Royals were one of the few teams that um, actually had blue as one of their primary colors. So it made sense for them to go powder blue. Like a lot of teams did the powder blues in the early 90s or in the early 80s that didn't have blue in their color scheme whatsoever. The Phillies don't have blue in their powder, in their color scheme. Well, they did it's then, not a though. primary color for them. But yeah, I'm, they what did I'm saying then. is that that wasn't a primary color for them, right. but they wore the powder blues anyway. It became iconic when they did it, but it wasn't one part of their original uh, color scheme. Like, I think of the Blue Jays. Made sense for the Blue Jays to do powder yep. blues. Blue was a prominent color. Same thing for the Royals. So bringing it back makes a lot of sense because that's one of their primary colors. Yeah, and, and the Rangers were in that same mold. I, I think I have no problem with it because, right, it, wearing powder blue at home it's no different than like it's the same concept as pinstripes. It's the same concept as gray on the road. Like it's just a thing that happens in baseball for some teams. So I, that that part of it's fine. Just don't lose the white because I do like the white. And when we talk about history, I also don't think you want to lose the history of the Royals going to back to back World Series in those white uniforms either. So that's important too. Don't just as long as they're just mixing and mixing it up a little bit. I'm good with it. I, I think it should be a point of excitement and. You know, for the Royals who are trying to build that excitement in a season that might not be very good, good timing for the Royals as well. Uh, All right, Tommy, let's look ahead to the college basketball weekend for the Big 12. You've got the two premier headline games in the conference featuring the two teams we pay attention to. Up first Saturday, you'll see Kansas taking on Iowa State. You'll hear it right here on the Jayhawk Radio Network. That's an 11 o'clock tip. And then you get Texas coming into Manhattan against K-State. It, it 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 seems foolish, and there may not be a correct answer here to say which of these games looms larger because in the current Big 12 standings, they're all going to loom very large. But I think just for the simple fact that K-State's on the road, I, sorry, K-State's at home trying to avoid a three-game conference losing streak, it feels just a little bit bigger for K-State than KU's tough trip to Ames, right? Like, am I, I, I think that's the case. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, we, we talked about it earlier in the week that this game for Kansas State is got to be as close to a must win as possible. I think you get the Longhorns at home. They have a game on you in the standings. Uh, you can leave Bramlage being tied again for the Big 12 lead uh, where, you know, I think that if you lose this game against a, a talented Longhorns team that they're starting to find their stride a little bit, you lose this game, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're what, two games back in the Big 12 race, and you really feel like you let that lead slip through your fingertips. It wasn't that long ago the Wildcats had sole possession of first place in the Big 12. And so, yeah, you, you want to try to stem that tide of the conference losing streak. Um, and, and tough games, right? You know, you're, you're playing Iowa State. You're playing KU in Allen Fieldhouse, and then, of course, you're playing Texas. Like, it's a gauntlet for sure, but I, I think that this is as close to a must-win for Jerome Tang's squad as you're going to get this year. Well, yeah, for sure, and it's not must-win, uh, but it's really, really it badly. It really badly needs to win. Well, if, if, I you th- wanna, if you want to win the Big 12 outright, you can't fall two games behind Texas, and especially when you've got them at home this weekend. 
the only reason I, I'll say it's not must win is because I still think the possibility, if K-State loses to Texas, the possibility still exists that they win the Big 12. It just makes it really, really difficult. So it feels must win, is really badly need to win, is all of those things. But I do think they could lose it and still win a share or whatever of the Big 12 because there's enough games directly against these teams still left to go. Remember, we're just now, I think, one game over the halfway stretch. Um, I'm but- also really interested, by the way, with Kansas State on how they respond to adversity in a losing two conference Me games too. in a row. Me too. Um, and, and this is really the first kind of, uh, I would say, gut check time in Jerome Tang's tenure at Kansas State. And how do they respond? And I think if they respond at home against a top 10 Texas team uh, and, and they respond resoundingly, that's going to tell you all you need to know about this Wildcat squad. Well, and we've had these you know, moments of hyperbole throughout the season, the first this and the first that. And all that does is it's just because how much newness there was to this team. Remember, they're you know, they got off to the nice start, and then they sort of laid an egg against Butler. Well, we got to see him respond to that. They did. They then went on that massive win streak before they lost again at TCU. Big loss, right? That was a bad loss. And it's like, okay, how do they respond to getting punched like that on the road? Well, they come and they beat Kansas. Uh, okay, so they respond there, right? Iowa State, tough loss on the road. You were the big dog and you lost one. How do you respond to that? They beat Florida, and then they get Kansas. Again, the Florida game is pesky because it's sort of in the way of the fact that they have lost two conference games in a row, and that is why the Texas game feels so large this weekend. Um, And, and, you know, the standings matter, but the reality is, too, for Texas, Tommy, and their run, which, again, it's a weird year because if you're a K-State fan, you sort of want Texas to be the next best team, right? So there's no threat to Jerome Tang, but... Texas is interesting. You know, they, they're trying to to even things up. Remember, Kansas State went down there and, and beat them in Austin. So, but other than that, Texas has played Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and West Virginia and Oklahoma State twice, and, you know, they beat Baylor. So they're starting to, you know, they're, they're really starting to flex a little bit, but they got two games against Kansas still to come, right? They have another one against Baylor still to come. They have another one against Iowa State still to come. They have this one coming up against Kansas State. They got a lot of games left against high quality teams. Well, so they're, you know, t- yeah, I mean, take a look at the at the standings right now. It's going to shake up a ton after tomorrow when you've got Texas with a one game lead and then four teams one game back. Um, of course, we know KU and Iowa State. One of them uh, will remain at, at three losses in the Big Twelve. The other one will drop to four. Uh, and then, of course, I wouldn't discount the possibility that TCU goes into Stillwater, goes into Gallagher tomorrow and, you know, taking on an Oklahoma State team that Mike Boynton has got them rolling. I mean, they've won a handful of games in a row. And TCU is all kind of banged up right now. They're a game back. Um, There's going to be some some crazy shuffling and shifting in the Big 12 after tomorrow. Uh, Totally. So we look at it, and four of the five teams at the top of the league are going to play each other. Um, and then you mentioned the other one, TCU. Yeah, it's going to shake up, and it it can't not shake up, right? Even if there's not upsets, it can't not shake up. And Texas Tech's desperate, and they finally got their win, and they got to go to Baylor, and that's a tough ask, but Tech's good. Like, I'm convinced that Tech's a good team. Uh, and then Oklahoma has to go out to West Virginia, but that, that game means a little bit less because those two teams we don't think are going to be in the mix for that Big 12 title. Certainly. Well, and how about, by the way, how about, how about Oklahoma State? I mean, they're 4-5 and five right now. Let's just say that they they get an upset over TCU uh, at home tomorrow. 
and let's say that Texas loses, all of a sudden Oklahoma State is two games back of the Big 12 lead, and you've added in a seventh team potentially in the hunt for a Big 12 title. I don't think Oklahoma State is completely out of it at this point. They've got to get a win at home tomorrow against TCU, but man, like we could be adding an additional team in our conversation as one that could potentially win the conference. I'm going to assume here that West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech will not like lose all of their conference games and each can get two to three more uh, conference wins the rest of the way. Right now in the net rankings, everybody's in the top 64, which is, you know, typically, you know, at 64 and 58, which is where Oklahoma, Oklahoma's at 58, Texas at 64. That's around where you start seeing bubble teams. I think that they'll have the opportunity to to win such high quality games that those numbers almost certainly come up, right? Like it's it's almost impossible for those numbers to go down, right? Because we know big wins mean more than bad losses. There won't be bad losses to be had the rest of the way for either of those teams and only opportunities for big time resume wins. I really think we're looking at the possibility here of some history in that all 10 teams could make the tournament. They're all certainly 10 tournament caliber teams, right? It's just the, the the part of the equation we don't know yet is, you know, West Virginia, look, they're 24 in the net. They're making the tournament. Oklahoma State, you just mentioned, they're 39. I don't know if we've ever seen teams. I'd have to go back and look at this stuff. But have we ever seen a team in the top 40 of the net not make the tournament? That would be as bad as we've seen. 58 and 64, a little more dicey. But those, those numbers are going to get better unless they lose out, right? Those numbers are going to get better. So... I think we're entering that, you know, that part of the equation where all 10 of these teams are are deserving to get, whether they all get in or not, all 10 are going to be at least bubble teams here, which is just, I mean, we thought this was a possibility this yeah. year, but it's playing out that way. Hey, the other thing that's remarkable real quick is that all 10 teams in the Big 12, they all have either a winning or losing streak of one or two games. That's it. There's not a single team in the conference that has either won more than two games in a row or lost more than two games in a row right now. Uh, and and it, just tell, it tells you about the way that this conference is going to play out. It's it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Wichita State plays on Sunday at Tulsa. That is a game they absolutely need to win. I mean, that is a – you talk about must win. That's must win. You must beat Tulsa in Tulsa if you're Wichita State and bounce back and rebound well after an impressive performance against Houston and all that. 869-1240 is the number to call. Uh, this is a Friday edition of Sports Daily. Jacob Albrockton, Tommy Caster, coming back at you for another segment right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. everybody sports daily on kfh jacob albrock tommy caster here with you uh tommy jerry jones had some interesting comments uh was this yesterday sort of trying to compare the eagles strategy to what the rams did which when i read that i was like how is the eagles strategy just because they went and got aj brown uh but other than that that that's not necessarily like, that's the only thing, but that was the only risk, but it wasn't that much of a risk because you were getting a direct player there instead of drafting a receiver, pretty much. But other than that, I don't think they did what the Rams did at all. And um, also, and he, and he said we're, we're more about the long term, Jerry. He's been long. How long is the long term? <laughs> like, what are we talking about, 40 years instead of 30? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I uh, I sent you the story yesterday when it came down. I know you had seen it before, but um, how much longer does Jerry have? Uh, I know he wants to think long-term. He's been thinking long-term since 1995. Uh, eventually, the long-term has to, has to come to fruition, right? And, you know, the fact that he said that the Eagles bet it all to win this year, but the Cowboys don't want to do that, you're basically saying <laughs> you don't want to go to a Super Bowl because the betting on that strategy on the short-term – has worked. It worked for the Eagles. It worked for the Rams last year, too. They traded a bunch of draft picks to get veteran players, and they won a Super Bowl last year. So yeah. uh, I'm sorry, Jerry. Maybe uh, maybe you ought to reevaluate that a little bit. Well, it, it, it look, I think if the Eagles did what the Rams did, you might have a point here, but I don't think they did that, number one. I always talk about, like, what would you rather have long-term, you know, success and being in the mix, which I suppose the Cowboys have and they haven't won it, but you reach a certain point where, yeah, okay, we probably ought to push all our chips in. The Rams did that at a time where they felt like their window was closing, and I think that they were right. The Eagles' window isn't closing or anything like that, and trying to pretend like it's the Chiefs making a decision of the long-term versus the short-term is also not accurate because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. The Cowboys aren't in those situations. The Cowboys are on an old roster, similar to what the Rams were, with you know, a situation at quarterback that is debatable on whether it's good enough. Like They're more like the Rams than the Eagles are like the Rams, right? And the Cowboys did the opposite. They traded away Amari Cooper and kept everything the exact same, hoping that it would work this time around. 
That's not thinking about the long term. That is the definition of insanity, which is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Jerry Jones is 80 years old. If I'm Jerry Jones, I am pushing all of my chips to the center of the table right now and saying, fellas, I don't have a whole lot left. Go out there and win one for the Gipper. Like, let's get the guys in right now that can get me a Super Bowl. I don't have time to build a dynasty. I don't have time to, you know, go through the draft and to bring in young players and get them to gel and however long that that takes. I want to win a ring right now. I've got to. I've got to because it's been so long since I have. And I'm not leaving God's green earth until I get another one. So we're going to do it right now. Push all the chips in, go all in, and make it happen. And the fact that, you know, he's kind of doubled down on this whole, well, I prefer to think long term. <laughs> you don't have much longer, Jerry. Uh, I don't want to pretend to guess it. You know, the, the things when you're a billionaire you can do to extend your longevity. Um, but just in football terms, it's been long enough. And there is no like bright there's no light at the end of this tunnel there's only darkness at the end of this current tunnel like nobody and i mean nobody is looking at the cowboys right now and thinking man they're set up for a long time here they're not that window closed two years ago they're still trying to pry it open and get life out of it no and i don't think that i don't think anybody looks at the los angeles rams right now and is disappointed in them because they fell back to earth this this season. I at least I don't. They want a ring. They want a ring. The window was closing. They want a ring, and now they're rebuilding. But they got their ring. They got their if, championship. If they go through like a five to seven year cycle where they suck, I will disagree and say I'm not sure that was worth it. They got I their ring. Think, I, I that's great. How elusive is that? You got your championship. So I know, at that but- point. You want. I'm a selfish. I'm a selfish short sports fan. I want my team to always be in the mix. I don't ever want to have a team that sucks. You're right. It's much better to get to the playoffs and lose in the divisional round every single year than it is to win it's a not championship. What I mean. Okay. They weren't doing. They weren't doing that though. They had been to a Super Bowl in another year. I'm saying if the price of that ring is now a long time of not being good, that's also not good, right? No, the Cowboys you got did a that. Ring. You the Cowboys the ring. have five rings. That doesn't make it yeah. feel any better when, right now. When was the last one? What's what I'm saying? If the last one for the Rams was that year and they go a long time without winning another one because of the trades they made, that's not going to be worth it at that point. But we're, we're a long way. And I also don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll be fine. Uh, all right. We're going to come back. We'll wrap it up, tell you what's on tap this weekend on Sports Daily Next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.